Hey guys, Chris Everett here with the Indigo Podcast. Wanted to let you know that we've added the Indigo Podcast to Podbean, a top podcast app and hosting platform. Not only will you find us on Podbean, you'll find many other highly rated podcasts. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Okay, so today's episode's titled, Seriously? Another Zoom meeting? Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, I've been getting a lot of those invites and having to participate in a lot of those, and some are good, some are not so good, right? Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah. So today in the podcast, we're going to talk about the proliferation of online meetings. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the pitfalls and opportunities associated with those online meetings. And we're going to, of course, follow up with some implications that we see for people and for organizations. But what's really cool about today's episode of special note is we have a guest today joining us for the whole episode. And so we are so privileged and honored and pleased and downright tickled to have Lee Williams joining us here today. Yay, Lee! So there are many reasons why we like Lee, um, but... You know, one of them is that Lee is a fellow graduate of the same doctoral program that I went through at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Um, So she has her PhD in organizational science from that fine institution. She also has her master's degree in in industrial and organizational psychology from UNC Charlotte. Uh, She did her uh, undergraduate work at Davidson College in psychology. Uh, And, you know, for her entire graduate career, Time. So when she was going through grad school, she uh, studied meetings and she worked with the one and only Stephen Rogelberg, uh, whom we will definitely have on the podcast at some point, uh, and uh, did a lot of work looking at, at all the different dynamics related to workplace meetings. Uh, she's passionate about all kinds of things related to evidence based solutions for organizations. She loves nonprofits and she has two greyhounds. Like, so, you know, all kinds of cool things about Lee, right? Lee, say hi. Good morning. Thank you guys for having me. It's so great to hear a voice other than Chris's. Is it? I mean, I just get so sick of that guy. That's the that's the real reason you had me on. I know that. it is. Hey, what what's the name of your greyhounds for our listeners that are big they, dog? They want nuts? to know. They want to know. We've got Lincoln, and we've got a girl named Gracie. So they nice. both came to us with their names. So we did not get to name them, but Lincoln and they sleep more than cats and they are loving this quarantine. I do have to sit away from them for my virtual meetings because they can be as annoying as children. So <laughs> I have to have to take that into consideration when I've got well, a Zoom meeting. So that's an empirical question. I should send some of my children over to you and we'll test, which is more <laughs> annoying. No, I'm just kidding. My kids are not annoying ever. <laughs> listen, listen, something I like about Lee is, you know, you can't just bring any academic onto this show. Right. You know, they they couldn't hack it. <laughs> no, we've, we've actually had conversations with um, people to see if they might be a good fit for this. And we, we could tell right away that, nope, they're not going to be able to handle it because either they didn't have a sense of humor, which, you know, is is fairly incompatible with what we do, um, <laughs> and, or they didn't have a conversational style that allowed for the free th- 
free-flowing, long-form conversation that we embrace here on the Indigo Podcast. You know, we're not about just getting short sound bites and superficial, you know, make your management amazing with Windex and three easy steps type thing, right? So Yeah, um, like we had one person that said they wanted to give us the questions that we would then ask them and so they could give a canned answer. Ouch. Yeah. Boring. So if, if if you're if you're PR marketing for one of those Yahoos, you might want to bark up another tree. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, Lee can hack it and and she gets it. She's pragmatic. She knows the stuff. She has experience within organizations. Um, she's not just a, you know, sitting in the library, you know, K through 12 and straight up to PhD, right? Yeah. So anyway, so let, let's go. So let's talk about the proliferation of online meetings. So first of all, we said, seriously, another Zoom meeting. I think Zoom's like the Coca-Cola <laughs> of, of, of meeting platforms. Because, you know, like in the South, it's like, oh, would you like a Coke? What kind of Coke would you like? I'll have a Pepsi Coke. <laughs> I mean, you know that Pepsi execs are like, <laughs> and as you know, just like Google tried to launch their own Facebook at some point. I mean, there's Google Meets, there's Zoom, there's all these different platforms, but pretty much it's, I guess it's a Zoom meeting almost for a lot of people at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, getting into this idea of there being a lot of them, um, Lee, you know, there's not a ton of data out there, but uh, what do we know a little bit about this proliferation or at least the upsurge from Zoom's perspective on these online meetings? Yeah, like you said, there's a lot more than these days. Um, so we found some data showing that there are more than 300 million Zoom daily active users. Oh, and yeah. that is just wild. I feel like we should pause for a second and take that number in. I mean, that's just crazy. And that is up um, 100 million from where they were in early April. And, you know, around Christmas time, they're only at 10 million. So... <laughs> It is just wild how many more of these things are happening. Uh, definitely more than the numbers that I was finding for my um, for my research when I was researching workplace meetings in school. But this Zoom Zoom has really taken off during these during these quarantine times. <laughs> to, to put that in context, the population of the U.S. is like. 320 something million. Yeah. You know, I was going to try and pull that out, but I didn't have that information. So I didn't want to embarrass myself the first thing I said, you know? <laughs> so I appreciate that, Chris. We'll wait, I mean, till, we'll wait till later in the episode like, for you to embarrass thanks, yourself. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> That'd be like every jack wagon logging on at least once a month. And yeah. so that that means like, you know, infants, they don't, they probably don't have too many Zoom meetings. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think when they say 300 daily meeting participants, you know, that that does take into account, you know, some people have multiple ones a day. Right. So they get counted again. But uh, regardless, I mean, that is a lot of uh, activity. Uh, and that's just on Zoom, which seems to be one of the more popular ones right now, but doesn't take into account the other online meeting platforms. And uh, like you said, Lee, up from just 10 million back in December. I mean, holy smokes, that's crazy, right? So, so maybe it's not just our imagination. It's not that you know we just think we're in a lot more meetings right now. Yeah, well, so let's talk about why, right? Yeah, what the heck? So, well, I mean, why on earth are we doing a lot more online meetings? Lee, what's the obvious one? Like I said, <laughs> these quarantines, mm -hmm. you know? Boring times, love it. Yes, that's one of my favorite phrases. Um, work needs to go on. People are still trying to be productive. And we also know from research that meetings serve to, 
you know, they kind of serve as a ritual in organizations. They're part of um, how we fulfill our socio-emotional needs that we get from from meeting. Um, and that even though we hate meetings, we Stephen taught me that we hate not being invited to meetings even more than we hate meetings. <laughs> so not being invited to meeting, you feel a lot of FOMO, right? You feel that that you're missing out on important things going on in the organization. So we hate to meet, but we hate not to meet. So we're meeting a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny when you say that. I'm reminded um, of of earlier, you know, a couple months ago when uh, I was teaching online. So, you know, many universities, including mine at Cleveland State University, we halfway through the semester, we said, well, I guess we're not going to come back from spring break and we're going to make everything online. Even if you, your course was in person, we're going online. We're going to make spring break another week and get ready. We're all going online. So we did that. And so we had, uh, I had a couple sessions, you know, with um, my students. And in one of my classes, you know, we had a, a, um, a, you know, a live session where we were all chatting with each other about the course material and so forth. And one of the students, he, he just, he said, uh, you know, this is like the most I've interacted with anybody in three weeks. And, and, and he was totally serious. Like he wasn't trying to make a joke and I, he was just like, thanks, this was good. And I was, I was like, wow, you know, that's, um, yeah, I guess, uh, to me, I guess that's just, you know, one little data point, uh, of how, you know, we do kind of have this need to see each other. We are instinctually social as creatures. You know, we talked about this actually in our most recent episode all about reopening after COVID. You know, we get psychologically exhausted by not, by repressing that desire to kind of see people once in a while, you know, and uh, perhaps, uh, you know, the, the video component of Zoom meetings is helping with that too. So, yeah. Yeah, no, and they're easy to schedule. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You just throw on it. There's no, well, I, I'm walking from building five to building two of the corporate complex to make the <laughs> meeting. You know, th there's none of that. You know, it's just, e you know, check that outlook and um, and schedule based on availability, right? Oh. Definitely. I feel like there's also, you know, you can just ask somebody to hop on there. It's not a big deal. Um, whereas before, you kind of had to go through the, when are you available? Can I ask your admin when you have time. Um, and now it's just everyone, everyone knows that we're all home. So what else you got going on, you know? Um, and this is <laughs> happening. I feel like at least in my family, it's happening for work, but it's also happening for family. I can just FaceTime my mom or ask her. We've actually done a Zoom meeting uh, with my mom and some other friends for happy hour and just, just go on there and do it. Yeah. Just yeah. the thing that she's sitting at home, you know? The house party app. Have you guys done the house party app? I'm not that cool, Chris. <laughs> oh, I'm man. the youngest so, one out of all of us, but I'm not. I'm not that hip. So, so house party app for those that you don't know, you can actually because there's always these weird lulls in the conversation. You're like, yeah, so I'm I'm lonely over here. I know I'll get my friends on a video chat. Cool, I'll get a little buzz on some like cheap boxed wine that I've wiped down or whatever. <laughs> and then then there's a lull, and everybody's just like, uh, well, so do we hang off? Well, somebody can hit this dice button. And it, there's a game that you can play, like it throws out trivia to everybody and you can see how you do, or you play like the guess what I'm drawing stuff. Anyway, yeah, check out House Party. It's pretty good. It's probably another data collection tactic from the Russians or something, but whatever. <laughs> okay, so you, you can check that out at your own peril. Um, As a parent, my data is very boring. 
<laughs> grocery store home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, so you know, Lee just mentioned that there is perhaps this, you know, perception that, that there's less of a barrier to call these Zoom meetings. And it's just like, you know, hey, let's let's hop on and do this. So we don't have it, data around that. It just could be a possibility around why there's a lot of these meetings happening and why there might be more of them, uh, even than you know, we would expect uh, you know, in the in these quarantine times. So, you know, but uh, you know, even pre-COVID, you know, so I don't know, we're going to come up with a, a maybe a, a way to mark time, right? Before before the mid, you know, early to mid-March, um, at least here in the United States. Uh, meetings were pretty common then too, right, Lee? Absolutely. Um, I started every single paper that I wrote in graduate school with every day, there are more than 55 million meetings. And I cite the same uh, paper, I think that was from 2015. So I, usually the next part of my sentence is that meetings are likely on the rise and that number is much likely higher, say it in a super academic way. But yes, yes we've experienced a lot of meetings and uh, even more around the world, um, most of which have been in person before, but that's really changing. So yeah, so the, the nerdy way that I used to write and um, and I prefer to to say that uh, is, Meeting workplace meetings are a ubiquitous feature of organizational life, right? So that's another intro line yeah. that I've used before. <laughs> they, all of these sound disgusting, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just drop the honey badger in the first <laughs> sentence, you know, like you did, like you would, Chris. <laughs> oh man, I we're gonna get stoned for that one. Some, some like honey badger don't care about your workplace meetings. Um, yeah. <laughs> honey badger won't come to you <laughs> anyway. <laughs> should make our own honey badger video about meetings. Um, yeah, so you know, one thing that we do know so, workplace meetings super common even before COVID. Uh, then we kind of transition into this online environment, taking it all online, those get really common. Uh, and you know, as you get more senior in organizations, what we tend to see is that people tend to have a lot more meeting time demands. Um, you know, what I, I sometimes counsel executives around is, hey, like, you know, to the extent that you can try to be the master of your own calendar, like don't let it be dictated by everyone else, because otherwise you're, you know, you're going to get um, sucked into meetings all day long. You're going to have no time for yourself to actually think and ponder and, you know, be strategic. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, that's kind of a grim picture if you're a person who doesn't like meetings. Yeah, so I feel like I get on these meetings and it's a mixed bag, right? Sometimes you really got to exchange some information. It's good. And sometimes it's just like nobody. I was on this one. This um, lady had convened a panel of experts to help with the project. There was about 30 experts on there. She had no plan. Um, she just said, does anybody have anything to say? And the experts are like, cool, about what? <laughs> And then she proceeded to lecture the experts and then hung up that, you know, that was kind of the, the short of it. But then others that, you know, it could be really planned out. Um, I don't know. What, what are you guys seeing? And probably a mixed bag as well. I yeah. mean, y'all can't see, but I was like literally covering my eyes when Chris was saying that because that <laughs> the meetings researcher in me is just cringing at the thought of somebody getting on and not having a plan and that size of a virtual meeting. We'll talk about that later. That just makes me, that just makes me die. Uh, there's just <laughs> no way that that can be effective. So I haven't experienced any large, huge meetings like that sans plan, but have definitely experienced the awkward silences. And then the moment when it's a zoom meeting, when I felt like 
if it was a conference call, then there'd be like less pressure. So that that moment when you get the Zoom meeting invite and you felt like it was going to be a call and you've got to get dressed and, you know, definitely experience some of that. So sure, sure. Yeah. You know, it's um, I, you know, I've had that, so- that person flushed her credibility. So like and we'll get into like prepping for these things, but there's a lot of risk. So, you know, you're at home. As we talked, it's, it's easier to set up a Zoom meeting or a video chat meeting. There may be more often because people are alone and they're having to sync more for work and that kind of thing. So that's more exposure to those times where, you know, you just, yeah. you know, you thought you're on the track to promotion and, and now you're like <laughs> not going to work here anymore type thing. <laughs> you know, what has been good, though, one thing that I've seen. So I've had a, a lot of Zoom meetings uh, with uh with particularly with my faculty colleagues at Cleveland State University and elsewhere. Um, and one good thing is that this has forced a lot of people to finally figure out the technology a little bit, right? Like it's sink or swim, baby. And and people are, for the most part that I've been in, they're, they're, they're starting to swim, you know, a little bit. And, uh, you know, so that, that excuse has been taken away. You have no other option. And, you know, humans are adaptable and resilient when they have to be. And so, um, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, some of the, the worst meetings that I've been in online have been ones that have been, you know, too large. You have people talking over each other, perhaps. Sometimes people will have like lots of background noise that gets really distracting or they'll, you know, we'll talk about this later, but just, you know, basic stuff around like where you have your camera and what's in your background. Like it can be kind of distracting if you're trying to talk to somebody and all you're seeing is the, you know, their forehead or up their nose. So, Um, you know, but, you know, I I would say that a a number of my experiences have been decent, you know, and, uh, so anyway, why don't we move on now and and talk a little bit about, you know, some of the pitfalls, some of the opportunities that exist with regard to these online meetings. And, you know, maybe we start with, uh, you know, some of the pitfalls here. So, yeah. So what are some of the pitfalls that we have? Well, I mean, access to the tech, right? You know, a lot of the IT guys, so I do a lot of work with technologists and stuff. You know, okay, they got sent home first. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. Somebody's got to issue out all these computers. <laughs> like, get, put your pants on and come back to the office. And and so there's this like struggle for a lot of organizations. Can we access the tech to support our staff at home? We hadn't budgeted for this. How are we going to do it? Oh, look, everybody else is ordering laptops at the same time. So, I mean, that's that's a big piece. Um, Aligned with that is also internet speed. So, you know, before I moved out here to Park City, Utah, I lived in Nashville. And, you know, people like to own land out in Nashville, you know, have 10 acres, a, you know, farm, you know, they just... Don't mind commuting an hour and a half. I want to live as close to the office as possible. Like if I could just go downstairs, <laughs> that's, that's the ideal do. commute. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. <laughs> but but that being said, some of those places don't have the fastest internet. Um, now it's becoming more ubiquitous. Elon Musk's on this big thrust to put satellites and internet everywhere, which is great. But you know that's a challenge. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then you know comes with that, we were kind of talking when we were preparing for this episode about this issue of not being able to capture the informal moments that happen 
in organizations since we're working from home. So we've done a pretty good job of scheduling these formal meetings. It's easier to schedule them, like Ben said earlier, but you're not kind of walking to the water cooler as the metaphor has been for so long. Um, so capturing those moments of knowing what's going on within the organization and learning about who's talking to who and who's in what meetings just informally is not happening as much. So that a possible pitfall of that could be, you know, this could be exacerbating the organizational divide um, and the hierarchies within organizations because those that are not involved in as many meetings might not know about what's going on and they don't have any way of finding that out kind of informally within the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, you know, just because you're having, even if you're having a lot of, you know, online meetings, it, it doesn't, doesn't replace the, um, you know, the, the nature of actual human or interaction in an organization. And, you know, my, what I used to say, and it has kind of a, a different connotation now is I used to say, you know, there's no replacement for kind of being in the same place and breathing the same air. Like now, if you said <laughs> breathing the same air, like, I don't want to breathe your air. But, you know, the point being, if you are people in the same room or being in, a, in close physical proximity to each other can be helpful. Um, and we're, we're missing out on some of that. And it, it may disproportionately affect those who are lower in the organization hierarchically. You know, one other pitfall, and we're going to talk about, you know, how video is great if you can use it. And, and you know, if you can require it and people have the access, that's great. The, the tricky thing, and this is something we talked about in academia, is, you know, you got to be a little bit careful or a lot careful, right, with with requiring video when you're talking to people because, you know, especially in a student population. So I teach at Cleveland State University, and it's we have a very diverse uh, student body. You know, we have um, a lot of first-generation college students. Um, and we have a, a lot of people. Just it, it's really it's a cool place to be. And, um, you know, but you may not want to require people to show what they're – and they may not want to show, like, what they're – room looks like and and that kind of thing it just it, it might yeah, be when i was in college gosh i mean it's like yeah. is this a is this like a slum and it was you know like it, you had cinder block walls i mean sure just minimus right sure yeah and so you know it's a little bit different maybe than um than in you know the working population i don't know but it just i, I think it's something to be mindful of like we need to realize that not everybody has in their own home, a perhaps designated spot for this. Uh, they may not have the ability to to create kind of a, a curated environment for for the whole thing. So uh, just keep that in mind, you know, be sensitive yeah, to that. There's a big class element and class gets signaled. I see it all the time in organizations like, oh, well, you know, that definitely dresses like a VP. He's straight shooter to there, right? And we had another episode where we talked about puncturing the perfect you. You know, a lot of people put on, you know, where they go to work is a bit of that, the play stage of life, right? And everyone's an actor type thing. And so, I mean, I think there's some broken things with that philosophically um, and from a, even a moral standpoint, but those kind of things can be highlighted. You know, it doesn't matter where you came from. If you show up and can do a good job and you're a good person, I mean, yeah, come on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you always, you you wear all that gold jewelry and are always trying to show off your wealth, um, Chris, you know, and so that's just kind of, you know, one thing I've noticed about you. 
Yeah, I totally. I, <laughs> yeah, blings are us over here. <laughs> For our listeners who don't know, that's not true. I typically, you know, if I, I went into one a shop that sold those like Mister T necklaces or something, those big gold necklaces. Yeah, I, I think throw me out. They'd be like, listen, if you wear that stuff, wearing that stuff's not going to be cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, because being cool is a big priority for both you and I. I think we're both failing. I mean, I, I gave up. It's a, it's a, unobtainium for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that joining this podcast that that was, you know, I had to try and be as cool as y'all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, this is going to be easy." These, these, these jackets. That's wagons. why she put on her suit just for this uh, recording. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so pitfalls with meetings, right? So we have these online meetings. We talk about a handful of these things: access to tech and internet speed video complications uh you know it also disrupts that ability for us to have that informal communication what other pitfalls might there be yeah so unfortunately part of the pitfall that kind of is the opposite side of what we were just talking about is that we find that we try to advise people as meetings researchers right to you know really be prepared for these meetings and be able to take these meetings in a quiet place especially when you're working from home but you know i know that's a sensitive topic but i think that that is something that i think people are thinking about more now but at the beginning of this i don't think that people were preparing for virtual meetings as much as they should be and that can be problematic right so you're asking you're still asking people to give you their time and you want to be prepared for that as a meeting leader as you would have been in person. You know, hopefully when you're walking over from building A to building B, you're thinking about the agenda and how you're going to conduct this meeting and what you want to get accomplished. Hopefully you have sent an agenda already and you're thinking about what you want to get done and how you want to conduct the meeting. And those things still apply to virtual meetings. At least we hope that they do. So definite pitfall is when people just kind of get on there and say, oh, what are we, what are, we, I forget what we were supposed to talk about today, or I'm still thinking about my other meeting, you know, that, that is definitely something that can happen as we go back to back with these virtual meetings and just not being as prepared as possible. So we'll talk about some of the implications that we have and what we want folks to do in that regard, because it can definitely be, it can definitely be a problem. We still need to get things done during these um, meetings, even if they're in a virtual format. Well, yeah. And, and you got to get stuff done. That's not meetings. You know, I'm seeing all because everybody's at home. Everything's kind of nebulous. You know, maybe you're a lot of people's workday starts whenever their first meeting is. And then, or I mean, if they have kids, it's a different, you know, those kids wake up no matter how late you go to bed. Right. So you, you have all this thing. So, you know, everybody's talked about the, like the groundhog day effect. Right. And, and things are just swimming. Time becomes, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I, I put the kids to bed and I've got two more hours to do. What what is this? And and then maybe productivity changes because you have to sync virtually more and those kinds of things. So you got to watch out for like workday creep. Right. Um, and, you know, this idea of the meeting hangover. Lee, what's what's a meeting hangover? <laughs> I think that's Ben's favorite phrase when it comes to meetings research is it what is. I think it is. That's what I so call it. So we do. Is that, is that why you have a whole handle of scotch because the meeting's so bad? <laughs> and you have a meeting hangover? <laughs> Hair of the dog, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, there really is this, um, there really is in the research, there's this idea of meeting recovery syndrome. And it's a real thing. There's a lot of research on it. And it sh what it shows is that once we get done with a meeting, we're not instantly done with a meeting. So we'll have a meeting 
And then when we're kind of walking back, we're still talking about the meeting. We're still thinking about the meeting. We're going on our computers and going on the chat within our organization and talking to our coworkers. Oh my God, you'll never, you'll never guess what I heard in this meeting. And we're kind of still part of the meeting. And that is definitely a meeting hangover that can exist and definitely impacts our productivity. So the first, I think there's research showing, and I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's research showing that there's you know, a negative relationship between your productivity immediately following a meeting uh, because you're still in this, experiencing this meeting hangover. Yeah, because well, yeah, you're there and you're like, man, Filson had his fly down for that whole presentation. And I don't even know what was, what was on those PowerPoint slides, you know, for the in-person. <laughs> I'm sure that's what the research shows. That's probably what it is. You know, because we had talk about this saying in the army, because you try to put a directive out or something. You have a meeting with key leaders and then you check up like two hours later. Hey, so you'd ask something of a key and they'd be like, huh? And you're like, wait a minute. I had the agenda. I had some of you brief me back. I asked spot questions. We had an engaging interactive activity. But, you know, if I said, hey, did you know the colonel got caught cross-dressing or something and there's pictures of him on Everybody, like all thousand people would know about that in like one second. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so it, it's funny, but I think um, you know, this is something that comes out of the meeting research. And I think as an, we could consider a theoretically or perhaps even empirically backed suggestion is, you know, being boring and routine as a leader in general um, is not very memorable. And that's why, you know, so you don't have to, you know, spread gossip about people, right? Or, you know, share salacious details about people's personal lives. But I think if you can break up routines and if you can be interesting and have some energy, uh, that goes a long way in helping people remember things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Ben. I, I didn't know what you were saying. I was just texting my friends right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Have you guys seen that in meetings? Like, you can tell. They're looking down. They're like, that jack wagon's checking Facebook or like texting somebody that I got a booger hanging out of my nose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I have found that, you know, in virtual meetings that I've been a participant in, um, you know, sometimes it is kind of fun, especially if the meeting's dragging on to text with another person who is in the meeting about the meeting. Yeah, look at this train wreck. <laughs> yeah, I, it's yeah. Look at this train wreck. Can you believe what that person just said? I, this happens, and so it's this really funny little kind of uh, you know other way that people are communicating behind the scenes. Um, but in addition to that, I mean, you know, aside from kind of communicating in another channel with people who are in that actual meeting, it's also pretty easy to just you know poke around at, at other things while you're in an online meeting. It really is. Yeah, I wish there was a freeze screen so I could just freeze my mug there, looking like I'm duh, <laughs> like I'm present, but really I'm like washing dishes or something. <laughs> I've seen a meme of students doing that. I've seen I've seen a thing online about a student freezing his her face so that you can't tell that, um, and saying and saying my internet is frozen, freezing their face there, and then continuing to do other things. I mean, that's just genius. Yeah, you yeah. You, now, you know, be a next level genius, and there's probably an app out there or someone's working on a way to make this easy. 
you know, in like all the crime movies when um, like the security cameras, like the first thing these criminals do is they like try to do something to the cameras so that it looks like it's on loop and like so they don't see the yeah. what's going on. You know, if you classic, could, like, classic. If you could make it like where you like you know could insert some sort of video that just kind of replays if you kind of like moving a little bit so that people think that you're still in the meeting. <laughs> that could be another. I'm sure some of your students are working on that right <laughs> they now. They probably then. are. They probably are. Yep. So and, yeah, but all joking aside, I mean, we really do find research shows that there are higher levels of multitasking during virtual meetings. Mm -hmm. That was a component of my dissertation. It was literally entitled "Why Do Employees Multitask During Meetings?" So I the meetings that, stink. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. We definitely found that. Um, workload was a predictor of when people multitask or you got more work to do and you're in a bad meeting why not get some emails done that you've had to send all day you know you really <laughs> can't, can't blame the person really you know i have i'm guilty of actually looking forward to a virtual meeting in which i felt like i probably wasn't going to need to participate very actively looking forward to it because I knew that I was going to be able to catch up on something else during that time. <laughs> there's, there's gotta be a big data thing. Like, a, it, you know, like, have you guys ever seen a stream on Periscope? Like, uh, so they're talking and there's like hearts will float up or a thumbs up emoji, right? This stuff's going on. So, but what if you could have like a visor, you know, a, a contact lens that you could see, you know, like, oh no, my meeting must not be going any well. There, well, there's been eight emails sent Oh, Four gosh. Facebook pages checked, <laughs> and you just see the stats like there's low engagement because there's all this other. <laughs> I mean, actually, that's a really interesting point. Obviously, we don't have that ability, but you know, taking being aware of engagement levels, I think is a. We'll talk about this more when we talk about kind of implications for people. But you know, being aware of the engagement level in real time and trying to you know change course if you need to is really important with regard to good le meeting leadership. Yeah, it's definitely part of your job, right? To look around and see, oh, they're having side conversations. Oh, I can tell that person's on their phone. That should be a signal to you that you're not running a great meeting, unfortunately. <laughs> you might be running a bad meeting. <laughs> and I know I've heard um, people have told me, I guess, since I'm a meetings researcher, they've been excited to tell me that Zoom has some of those capabilities to be able to tell you how much, um, like where people's, where people are on their screen during a Zoom meeting. Um, I haven't looked into that, but I know that's a feature. Oh, I think. big brother. Yeah. yeah. Big right. brother. <laughs> that, that, that's a, right. Like, Jeffrey, get your eyes on those screen. Get, <laughs> get, Karen, what are you doing? <laughs> so I think some of that data is about to come out. So maybe there's going to be some interesting, interesting research done during this time yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they'll throw the AI will give you to tell a witty joke. <laughs> We've prepared three for you. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, yeah, or, or maybe, yeah. The AI will actually tell the joke for you or something in, yeah, your, yeah. in your own voice. <laughs> Just take over the meeting. Yeah. Put it on autopilot. This, uh, this, this leader's doing a terrible uh, job. <laughs> Zoom, run my meeting. Engage. <laughs> for get on trackies it. out yeah. there. Get, get on it, Silicon Valley. Let's do this. Let's do this. Um, I'm sure that Alexa would be a great meeting leader. I feel yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, I've had to actually explain to my children that Alexa and Siri are not real people, but yeah, maybe. So, you know, in addition to all these other pitfalls that we've already talked about, there can just be some tech issues, right? Have you all experienced this? Yeah. Yeah. 
So people... <laughs> the yeah. one-line answer. Yep. Yes. Pretty much. You know, <laughs> bad video, bad audio. Uh, Lee has never experienced this. All, you know, <laughs> at the meeting research, she just attracts good meetings. Yeah. People bring their A game when they're trying to meet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they do. Ah, yes! <laughs> you know what you should do? You should make sure that before, especially if someone doesn't know you very well, make sure that if they invite you to a meeting, make sure you emphasize that you're a meetings researcher so that they really do, you know, bring their A game. Yeah, but that should be in the, the signature bar that auto-populates. Please bring it's your A game. It's in my email signature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is it really? Meetings researcher is, so maybe I should just put a little parentheses up. Yeah, bring so. your A game when you meet with me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you, could, you know, so so it's funny. I actually, when I talk about workplace meetings with my MBA students, one thing I, I have this slide and I have this kind of funny picture, and I say, you know, one thing that you have to remember as a meeting leader is that you know you should you should run those meetings as, as if people are judging you because they are, right? Yeah, uh, they they are they are making uh, you know subtle or not so subtle um, judgments about your competence, about your preparedness, about your whether you know whether or not you give a rip about them, about their time, about their opinions. All of those different things are happening, and so this is a key opportunity for you as a leader to shine or to not. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Or as an employee, right? Yeah, well, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of that that dramaturgical aspect of organizational life, right? If we want to get all, uh, all, you know, flowery about it, but it's, it's, we are on stage. And, um, so on that stage thing, you know, you gotta, I mean, I've gone some days where I go from my nighttime pajamas to my daytime pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, and, and the more snacks I consume throughout the day, maybe it's a larger set of daytime pajamas or something. <laughs> but, but don't get on these meetings looking like hammered trash. I mean, I, you could be more casual, I think, depending on the norm in your organization. Um, and it's not just for leaders. If you're wanting to get a promotion, because think how, how long it's been like three months now that a lot of people have been doing this. If you want to be pushing for that promotion or getting on a good project team or any of that kind of stuff, you know, that kind of uh, curating your appearance in as much as possible is an important thing you should do. Think about the kind of, I mean, and it's bad and people are so judgy, but, you know, oh, our town got a new weather person, you know, and can you believe how they look? And like, I, I hate that stuff. I hate celebrity stuff. I hate all that kind of trash. But if you go to the top Google trend stuff, which Ben and I do when we want to feel bad about society sometimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you go, you go there and it's like Kardashian and sports stuff. And a lot of that media and stuff and the kind of media people consume is very visceral or surface focused. Right. Yeah. And so like, just take a, just take a few steps. It'll it'll go a long way. Well, thank God this is a podcast because I'm not dressed right now. So <laughs> I'm not following your advice. You're clothed. You should say. <laughs> Come on, Lee. <laughs> You're right. That's an important distinction. You're absolutely right. So for that, yeah, no. those of you who don't know, we do have video with us. And well, you know, Lee, you're you're wearing a nice T-shirt and stuff. It's for the National <laughs> Brain Brain uh, Tumor Association, right? Society. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to promote my love for nonprofits. Yeah, yeah. 
That's awesome. So. Absolutely. No, but I mean, people do, really do need to, especially now that this is not just like, I think when it was just a three week thing and we were kind of finding it acceptable that people didn't know how to operate the meetings and kind of deal with those tech issues. I think we were more accepting of folks not being prepared in a physical sense for these meetings, but it's kind of time. You need to figure out where you can put your video and if possible, even though to counter to Ben's point earlier, trying to find a spot that you can have some quiet time to really be present for the meeting. I think that that is kind of the big takeaway here is, is being a steward of others' time. Stephen talks about that a lot in his book. Ben, we haven't mentioned yeah, Stephen's awesome right. book. I'm sure he'll talk about that when he's on the podcast. But The Surprising Science of Meetings is a, a um, book that my advisor wrote about meetings and meeting effectiveness. And one of the things he really talks about when he's when you're leading these meetings is being a steward of others' time. And if you can kind of adopt that mindset, you notice when people are multitasking, so you know to kind of move on, and you really think about how to use others' time appropriately. And I think part of that is being prepared yourself. I mean, that's just like the least that we can do, even in a virtual setting. Yeah, which, you know, anytime you break up the norm, you know, the regular drudgery of stuff, people's mindsets change a little bit. Like even if you decide, hey, instead of, we're going to do our meeting in the cafeteria rather than at this conference table, that will disrupt some of how people, you know, people know, oh, very quickly they'll know where to sit and everybody sits in the same place. Like it's, you know, high school cafeteria rules all over again, right? So, so when you disrupt that, this is a key opportunity for you to curate different meeting norms, right? So, and I'd Lee's over here laughing because I use the word curate too much. It, you know, <laughs> you got a seven word vocabulary, Lee. I already used visceral today. <laughs> but anyway, you can, you can make different norms here, um, which I definitely recommend you pick up uh, Stephen Rogelberg's book, The Surprising Science of Meetings. Um, there's a bunch of shibboleths around meetings that just aren't true. He addresses those in there. Um, but if you're always concerned that one person doesn't participate a lot, maybe there's just a quieter personality and a team full of loudmouths like me. Well, you can start to disrupt that. And as a manager, you can, and I like that term curation because you are kind of resetting how things happen. So when you do go back to that physical workplace, you can set the tone with, hey, the way we were operating was way better when we did meetings in the past because maybe mm -hmm. you inherited a meeting and it already had a cultural norm, so to speak. And, and that could be super helpful. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, there might be an opportunity too here for, you know, some better team tracking of some of the tasks, maybe using some of the tools that you have. You do have the opportunity, um, you know, if you, if everybody's on a screen, it actually can be really useful um, to all be looking, you know, not only have the video, but also have a document which you're working on simultaneously with another person. Those types of things can be really cool. We were actually talking about this when we were prepping for this episode yesterday, where we were on a video chat. Uh, we were using Google Meets. So we were not using Zoom, but similar type of thing, right? So we could see each other, we could hear each other. And then, you know, next to that, we had a, uh, a shared document that we were all working on at the same time. And that can be, uh, and I think it was actually more productive than if we had been in person. So that that's uh, one opportunity that you have here. But, uh, you know, some prerequisites for that, 
people have to be familiar with the technology. You have to be able to orchestrate it well. Um, and, and, and also you can't have, you can't do this with a thousand people. You got to have this be, um, a reasonable size. So we'll talk more about size and so forth of, of your meetings here in a few minutes. So, but it can be fun, right? So you sure. always did the drudgery. This is how, and then people are given the options to use different tools, different ways of collaboration. You know, that's kind of an agile process or thought of, hey, self-organizing team. So at maybe you put out to your teams rather than dictating. Now, if you've got like a very stringent IT policy, I get it. But for some of you, the opportunity to be like, guys, why don't you spend some time doing some research? What tools should we be using? How can we collaborate better? And you can start forming better relationships than you did even while you were together. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about this proliferation of online meetings um, for obvious reasons, right? And we've talked about some pitfalls and some opportunities associated with those online meetings. Now let's move into talking about, you know, what does this all mean? What are some implications that this new reality, these technologies have for us as individuals, have for us as leaders, have for us as organizations? There's a lot yeah. there. There's a whole book full, at least, <laughs> or hundreds of them. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that we've been mentioning kind of throughout the show is this idea that we really do need to set these norms for virtual meetings. Um, one of the things that I really feel passionate about is as a meeting leader, you should have a discussion about multitasking during these meetings. I know that I'm biased, but that is something that's really important. And we know that it's highly related to meeting engagement and meeting satisfaction. So there's always the one person that isn't able to turn on their video. And sometimes it's not because they can't or because they're embarrassed by their home conditions or anything. It's because they haven't prepared for the meeting and so they're driving. Yeah. And so there's always that person that doesn't and I resent that person every time because I know that they're multitasking, <laughs> right? So I think that meeting leaders should, if they haven't already, take a step back and say, hey, what are our expectations around how present you're going to be for our meetings and trying to decrease some of those behaviors that we don't want like multitasking? Yeah, that's right. So what about size, Lee? Yeah. How many, how, right. how many, what do we know about meeting size? Well, we know that um, more is not better, right? So there's research out there in the team's literature showing that an ideal team size is somewhere between six and eight people. Now, is that realistic when you have a team that's larger? No. So there's, you know, there's definitely an ideal team size, but there's also what we are dealing with in reality. But I feel like there's opportunities for folks to be creative and try and still keep these meetings small. So if you have a team of 25 people, maybe you can just take a representative from each of your departments to participate in a meeting and kind of rotate who's participating from week to week. Because like we said at the top of the show, we know that people hate meetings, but they also hate not being invited to meetings. So if you're going to try and reduce team size, Tell folks why you're doing it. Tell folks that you're trying to be stewards of their time and trying to make the meeting as engaging as possible. So you're trying to be mindful of size because we definitely know that there's a relationship between size and engagement. So the smaller, the better, the more interactive. That's the ideal situation. But I think you can be creative in how you achieve that. Yeah. And so uh, speaking of meeting size and multitasking, uh, this is something that you studied a little bit, right, Lee? Absolutely. That was one of my, um, one of the things I was looking at my dissertation. And that was one of the um, strongest relationships I found was that there was definitely a relationship between meeting size and multitasking. And we know that part of that is from this 
kind of idea of social loafing, that when you have more people in a meeting, you feel less responsibility to kind of carry the weight of participating in the meeting. So you feel like you can goof off and look at your um, emails, like Ben was saying, looking forward to that meeting to just get emails done. <laughs> I'm sure that was probably because it's a huge meeting, yeah. right, Ben? And that's part of why you feel like you can do that, because you don't feel as much kind of responsibility to carry forth the meeting agenda. So that's definitely one of the reasons that we feel like we see this uh, relationship in the research. Well, anytime you got those large meetings, right, and somebody has it and they're not really in control, that's when the power numbskulls come out. Yep. <laughs> power numbskulls. I did use that in my dissertation. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Also known as or closely related to the, the loudmouth jack wagons, right? Yes, there you go. Man, I... You guys reading my dissertation? My... my my sissy cussing game is like on point. Okay. You know, <laughs> so anyway, that, you know, because people are social loafing. Yeah. And so that's a prime and somebody be like, all right, let's engage and charge. And it's not always a meeting organizer because if the meeting organizer had it put together, there wouldn't be room for somebody to take charge of that meeting and, you know, roll over them. Right. Definitely. That's right. So I guess one implication here for people in these meetings is be mindful of the size. Uh, if you increase that size, you're going to increase the probability of people multitasking, of people not being engaged. This is similar to face-to-face -face meetings, but we've got to remember that just because we can invite everybody and their brother and sister doesn't mean we should uh, in the virtual context. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, so what are some other things that we can think about with regards to implications for for individuals here? Um, you know, so Stephen Rogelberg, he wrote a, a post on LinkedIn that we'll we'll link to this in the show notes. And he you know took some of the ideas from his book, The Surprising Science of Meetings, and uh, adapted it to some degree for the um, online meeting. Um, but, you know, one of these things was about whom to invite, whom to invite. Who, why do we need to be concerned about who we're uh, inviting to the meetings? Well, we definitely need to think about who, what voices we need to be a part of those meetings. And like you said, I think that people need to be cognizant of thinking about that really carefully. It is easier to invite a bunch of people to a Zoom meeting because, you know, it's just easy to have, we can have a ton of these voices and people can just put themselves on mute and just sit there. But do you really need to have all those folks? Um, so that kind of goes back to that meeting size. But I think it's just thinking really critically about who you need to have as part of a meeting to get done what you need to get done. And that kind of leads into this idea that we still need to have meeting agendas. We need to be thoughtful about meeting agendas. One of the things that I found really interesting in the research is that just having an agenda does not necessarily lead to higher media engagement. Why? Because if an agenda is just recycled week to week, it's just like not having an agenda. So people always think, oh, I'm running a good meeting. I've got this agenda that I always use. Well, if you're not refreshing that from week to week, there's no point in even having it. So <laughs> I know I, you'll get the it's Fierce a standing flash. meeting invite. So weekly at three and the meeting agenda is attached and it's the same agenda from eight months ago. Nobody even looks at it anymore. Right. That just makes me cringe. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You really need to kind of this idea of being a steward of others time. You've got to think about what you really need to get done in that meeting. And I think that one of Stephen's. Um, newest ideas is really cool. It's this idea of maybe framing your agenda around questions that need to be answered. 
Um, I think this is kind of, he, he is, he is a genius in that way. He really came up with this cool idea that if you kind of ask questions that need to be answered in this meeting, then you know when the meeting's done because you've answered all these questions. So it's kind of a neat idea to kind of refresh your meeting. Like you guys were saying that we really need to be able to shake norms up. So I think that that's something that meeting leaders can yeah. think about is, uh, that's a cool idea. Your and, uh, you know, I think just going back to you, when you're talking about, um, being careful about who you're inviting to the meeting and so forth, I think that's really important. And, you know, one thing that uh, I was just reminded of, um, so I, I'm, you know, as, as our listeners know, I'm also an officer in the Navy reserve. So I, I participate in a lot of, um, other meetings related to that work. Uh, this is not just, this is not your, your grandfather's, um, garden reserve anymore. You know, it's not just one week in a month, two weeks a year. We do a lot every single day. And, uh, one of the things I do, I participate in frequently are different phone meetings. And, um, what's cool is that, you know, for one of them, um, you know, basically someone uh, more senior to me, uh, said, Hey, you know, you guys should be, you, it, if you can dial into this meeting, but in terms of us in our organization, we are in receive only mode for this meeting. Don't 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 speak up. Just just join and listen, so that you can get context about what the rest of you know this part of the Navy is doing. And I thought that that was really good because a it kept us from you know potentially disrupting that meeting by interjecting with stuff or whatever. Um, but it also just created this expectation of saying, hey, the only, the only reason that you're there is just to listen. And it kind of kept, let them do their thing. So, you know, even kind of taking a step beyond just whom you're inviting, you're also taking this step of saying how you should participate if you are invited. Um, and maybe, you know, you know, you're in receive only mode, join us to help with context or want you to be an active participant in this. And, and this is the viewpoint that or perspective that we want you to share. I think that could be a really helpful way to think about this. So um, sorry to digress from from that. But you're talking about no, yeah, that's so you're talking about agendas and uh, a couple other good points I think that you have here about um, some implications for how people should behave in these virtual meetings. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about size, thinking about um, you know creating a fresh agenda that you send out ahead of time. Um, also, side note, asking for people's feedback on the agenda is really a best practice. So hey, here's the meeting agenda. Does anybody have anything else to add? Really giving people a voice into what you guys are going to be discussing definitely um, a best practice. And then, you know, as a meeting leader, I think that I think that these meetings can get so boring having some sort of uh, way to start the meeting that's kind of fresh. Um, you know, in person, we can we kind of think about even having music coming on when people are starting. I'm not sure how that would be in a virtual meeting. I haven't really tested that theory, but <laughs> I think it's just kind of thinking of how to start this meeting, you know, a couple minutes of checking in on how people are doing in this stressful time is still really important, um, even in a short meeting. So thinking about how you start the meeting well and end the meeting well are definitely important. Um, no so inappropriate videos. <laughs> no inappropriate. I, you know, I've seen guys get fired because they're like, you know, they want, oh, I'll start this meeting with a joke. And they put something on YouTube that's totally crass. And then next thing you know, somebody's got to take a box to them out in the parking lot, you know. So, you know, <laughs> be calibrated. I'm just, you know, if you're the kind of numbskull that's going to do that kind of stuff, don't say we didn't warn you. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I think to your point, Lee, I mean, start with some energy. Start with something to help people. Um, as I think Stephen talks about this in terms of, he calls it separation, right? So this idea of making people feel like they're doing something different now. Uh, you know, we are no longer in, you know, email mode. Now we're in our meeting mode, or if you're taking it to the virtual context. And, uh, you know, to the degree possible, if you can kind of have that little buffer where it's like, hey, um, let's, 
start in a little bit different way. Don't be boring. Um, you know, so one thing I did with, uh, you know, some of my online meetings with my classes recently is, you know, starting off the, our, our session with, you know, just checking in with people and saying, Hey, I want to hear a couple good things that have happened in the past week. Right. I do this in person too. Sometimes in my classes, it's just kind of fun. It gets people, um, kind of engaged and thinking a little bit and out of their, their everyday life mode. So I think that's an excellent, excellent uh, suggestion. Love that. Definitely. Um, you know, other things we can think about for best practices, being an active facilitator. So that is definitely, even though we're in this online format, I think that people need to think about how they can do that, right? So Chris was talking earlier about somebody that never participates, maybe surprising somebody on a meeting, maybe not so good. But if you can kind of warn him or her ahead of time that, hey, I've noticed that you've been kind of quiet in the last few meetings, would it be okay if I tried to bring you into the conversation so that you can really get in all the voices? Again, calling them out on the spot probably will just increase their yeah. anxiety that they have and why they haven't been participating. But reach out to that person and say, hey, I noticed that you've that you've not really been participating. Would love to hear your thoughts. Kind of give them a warning and then try to bring them into that meeting. Be a really active facilitator. Um, if it's not video and it's just audio and you have a lot of folks on there, maybe starting with the norm of someone saying their name or, you know, if it's not a group that knows each other really well, saying their name um, or maybe their position, do some introductions at the beginning. And when they do speak up um, so that people know who's talking, there's always that awkward point of like, oh, I wanted to follow up on that, but I don't remember that person's name. So I can't really say <laughs> following up on Chris's point. Yeah. So, you know, really figuring out ways to still be an active facilitator um, in these meetings. And I think that part of that is following that agenda, having a good agenda that really helps too. So. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I, I think I, I just want to foot stomp a little bit on and emphasize that point that you just made um, a few moments ago about, you know, bringing people into the conversation and letting them know in advance saying, hey, I, you know, I, I might I want to call on you during our next meeting and and really make sure that your voice is heard. Um, and, and is that OK with you? Right. Um, I think that that's really no, no, powerful. Ben, you, you, you say, listen, you do push ups. Well, why? <laughs> Yeah, if I can't participate, at least I'll be strong. <laughs> Say that while you push. <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. No, but this is a really great way. So there are lots of reasons why someone may feel uncomfortable to speak up in a meeting. One of them might be just their personality. They're just kind of quiet by nature. Another one might be that they are a little bit unsure of their own, of the validity of their own knowledge or skills. Another one might be that they are really underrepresented in some way and feel like, oh, how do I fit in here, right? It could be demographically or other types of characteristics that make someone feel like they are different from the rest of the group. Uh, maybe they're new to the team. Those types of things. And, you know, I think a really wonderful thing that you can do as a leader is, like you said, Lee, you know, in between meetings, have a conversation with that person and say, look, you have amazing ideas. You, you don't have to take a backseat to anybody. There's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions and are loud on this team. But I want you, I want to make sure your voice is really heard. And so I'm going to next meeting, if it's OK with you, I want to specifically highlight and give you the opportunity to say a few things. Would it be okay if I do that about this topic, right? I think that can be really awesome. I agree. Cool. And I feel like that takes some a page out of your um, out of your teaching, right? I'm sure you have to do that with students all the time. Sure, sure, yeah, because because it, it happens. I mean, I you you have to create an environment in which people feel like they can take some interpersonal risks, and that's um, 
that's that's kind of the definition of psychological safety. It was something we've talked about on this this uh, podcast before. But um, yeah, so going back to some of these different implications. So you talked about you know being that active facilitator. Um, anything else that we can do for uh, making our online meetings better? Gosh, I mean, I feel like we could just. I could go on for another hour, so <laughs> I'm gonna try and think about the other two, the other couple things I want to share. Yeah. But um, I think that something that people might not think about doing is checking in on how these meetings are going. So we're three months into these online meetings. Um, hopefully, you're running them really well, or hopefully, you're taking some of these tips that we're sharing now to how to run them better. And one thing that you can do is send out a quick survey. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. You can go on SurveyMonkey or just send an email to the group that you run a meeting for and say, Hey, how are these meeting go? How are these meetings going? What's one thing I should start doing? What's one thing I should stop doing? And what's one thing I should continue doing? Checking in on how you're running the meeting, because that is kind of going back to that idea of being a steward of others. That's really checking in with folks. If you're open to that feedback and you should be checking in on how these meetings are going and what you can do better to make them more effective. Yeah. Um, I feel like that is, well, I, leaders that do that are really, you know, yeah, top, it, Cream of the Absolutely. Crop. And the thing is, is that as the meeting leader, you're in the worst position to judge the, F the efficiency and effectiveness of your own meetings because you are hopelessly biased to think that you're doing an amazing job. And so, I mean, it's kind yeah, of or, or you're a person that has no confidence and like nothing I do is worthwhile, per perhaps, right? You know, perhaps. Yeah. So, you know, getting that, uh, that feedback is so important. Excellent point. Yeah. And then I feel like uh, kind of ending this section I feel like we need to talk about how to end meetings well. So a couple things. Um, sometimes these meetings will just kind of end without wrapping up. And I think that taking 30 seconds, stopping sooner and say, what have we talked about today? And what are our next steps? It's, it applies to in-person meetings as well, but definitely applies to virtual meetings too. So clarifying next steps, clarifying who the action um, items belong to. Hopefully you're doing that in maybe a shared Google Doc format or something like we were talking about earlier. So it's really easy to call out who um, is in charge of what. That's kind of a best practice. And then ending meetings on time. So I was um, in some back-to-back -back meetings yesterday and one of them went five minutes over into my next meeting that was only 30 minutes. <laughs> How annoying is that? I mean, has that happened to you guys? It, it, it has, yeah. Uh, and I think it's just kind of easy to um, to do with these with these online meetings too, right? Just to be less cognizant of the time. So, Well, uh, and execs that have that referential authority or whatever, positional authority within it, just say, sorry, guys, I got a hard stop at noon. Boom. And they're done. And that sends a message about being prepared and being on time. Right. It does. Right. It yeah. Does. But if you're lower in the organization, you may not feel the audacity to do that. Right. And so um, we need to be mindful and try to end those, end those darn meetings on time for Pete's sake. Right. Cool. Definitely. And I think it's the best practice if it's um, you know, don't make a 30 minute meeting and don't make it a 60 minute meeting. You can make it, I think, uh, the de default and outlook these days, or you can change your settings too. Uh, you can do that in Google as well. You can make your default 30 minute meeting into 25 minute meeting and your default 60 minute meeting into 50. Cause even though we're not walking from building A to building B, we still need time to like Get a snack. Mm -hmm. Chris needs time to get another Coke Zero. You know, <laughs> well, it's use like the restroom. When you're an undergrad in college, how long is a four to six page paper? What do you mean how long four. it is? It's four pages. It's four. Actually, yeah. it's three and a quarter with some font and like no. edge <laughs> margin wiggle, right? My, mine mine, mine sees through all of mine that. Were six. But 
but I know, Ben, <laughs> you're one of those. But like, here's the deal. How long's a 30 minute meeting? It's like 34 minutes. Oh, right? right. And so like, you got to be careful. Like if you can set the norm up, if, hey, we finished in 17. Hey, that's it. We're out. Yep. You know, Absolutely. get this stuff done. So yeah, pro tip from Ben, I did not know for the Zoom users. Apparently you can press space bar and it'll mute you. Or it'll unmute, unmute you. you. Yeah. So if you're you're muted and you're just sitting there, and as long as you have that window active, if you push space the space bar, it'll unmute you. So you can just unmute, say something, then release on the space bar, and you'll be back to muted. Little pro tip for you. There's probably yeah, other so cool I things. I, I, we'd love for our listeners to uh, you know send us a comment or other types of things related to just pro tips for virtual meetings, and we can share those in a subsequent episode. That'd be awesome. So I love to learn as the meetings researcher. Yeah. I love to learn how to make things better. I did not know about the mute bar. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Here, PhD didn't even know. That's <laughs> freaking great. Wait. I Imagine thought, that. I, thought, I mean, I thought once you got your PhD, you knew everything. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so did I, <laughs> apparently. So let me, let me bring up this other piece. So when you are on a video, everything is amplified. So you don't have to make these really big motions and stuff. If you wave your hands, your hands are probably off screen. So... You might want to go on and Google some video acting tips because you can curate some of that personas. You know, lots of video uh, webcams and stuff have something so you can practice a presentation. If you have to say you're a CEO, you need to make a video presentation to 20,000 people that's live. Well, you probably want to practice some of that. Same thing if you are a salesperson and you're used to having those in-person meetings to build rapport. Google some of those acting lessons on how to build credibility through like, I mean, you have become a video actor at this point, um, which is different. It's yeah. super different. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think that's a, it's a good point. It probably um, makes people, you know, some people are like, wait, I'm not a video actor, but no, you, you are presenting yourself in a way and you need to be mindful of that. So awesome. So we've talked about some of these implications for people, for leaders running meetings, um, now, at the organizational level, what what can we do? What should organizations do? What should they be thinking about um, trying to promote with regards to running good virtual meetings? I think that, you know, it's easier said than done when organizations are just trying to stay afloat right now. But if if you've got the room to do it, I think providing some sort of quick training um, about how to run these meetings effectively, maybe they can just share this podcast. Maybe. You know? maybe, maybe they can say, hey, your homework <laughs> is to listen to this great podcast. No, I think that it's um, important for uh, organizations to set norms around online meetings as well. Um, what, what, what should happen, what shouldn't be happening. A lot of managers, and this is true of face-to-face -face meetings as well, don't get trained in how to run meetings. And it's a huge part of your job. I find that really find that really interesting that when you kind of go from being an individual contributor to a manager, one of the things you have to do is run meetings and we don't necessarily get training in it. So I think that that's definitely um, a, a potential spot for organizations to make a real improvement is is providing some training around how to do that. Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you got to follow up. You don't, you don't hand them a book on boxing and tell them to get in the ring. So if you want to have quality meetings, so one of the things, okay, that COVID came in screech we're all to a halt everybody's at home initially we're a little bit less worried about productivity okay now we start to care about productivity 
all of those kinds of things that go through, you can flush so much organizational velocity down the drain just by having garbage meetings. And so like once you've trained, you need to have maybe a way to of assessing how those meetings are going, follow back, maybe somebody that observes and coaches some of that stuff. Those are techniques that can be used. If you've got new software tools and these kinds of items, um, you need to make sure that they're allowed by your security policy. Um, if you've got certain client security and communication pieces, policy pieces that your managers need to follow to make sure that communication is confidential, the, all of those things, because now you're having meetings virtually with people that could be recording them and make you a little bit legally liable. Um, these are the kinds of things, data retention policies, just there's a broader scope of things that need to be thought about. And one other um, one other piece I want to add, and you know, because we're kind of getting towards the end of the episode here, is um, this idea of, okay, we've already done this. Work from home is best. Everybody sent their employees home, and they said, oh, it's great. But then uh, the few companies that followed up a year later said, well, it was great for the three, six months we observed, but then productivity went in, in the garbage again, and then they brought them all back. But now that we have this pandemic, people are going through that same process. And I'm it's like they didn't learn the lesson the first time. Mm -hmm. But that being said, if this is the new normal for your organization, you're going to have to put guardrails on actually driving to done on critical tasks, getting projects finished, and those other piece. One other thing on this, social bonds, how you promote. Like It's really easy right now. You probably have a backlog of over three months worth of project materials, tactical items to get done. If you're doing all these things, you're checking on those meetings, everybody's getting super efficient at getting that critical work done. But you're most likely missing, and we could do a whole other episode, we probably will on this, you're missing the sensing functions. How you sense what your competitors are doing since everybody's kind of locked at their house. You're missing those social opportunities. How are you going to recognize new management talent or change up cross-functional teams. These are there's that soft social thing that you can have a hard time getting junior staff up into your management ranks, and you can start to get a gap and a hole in your leadership within your organization. Yeah, absolutely, excellent points for sure. You know, I think a couple of things that organizations should be thinking about with regard to meetings in general, and uh, certainly right now with virtual meetings, is you know doing some assessment with regard to um, their meetings. Include this as include some items about your meetings and how they're going and how leaders are doing into, for example, your 360. So the 360 is that that, uh, you know, we do with Indigo Anchor for leaders, we have a, a handful of questions all about leading meetings, you know, because that's such an important part. Um, and people don't normally have that kind of feedback on how they're doing with that piece of, of their leadership. Um you could also include this in your, you know, annual or whatever, however frequently you do some sort of organization-wide survey to see how, how this is going. And then, you know, imagine that you'd be able to break this down maybe by location, by level. You could see all these different dynamics about how different people in different parts of the organization are perceiving uh, meeting health, if you will, and then be able to target some training or other types of interventions to potentially help with those different areas. So, you know, listen to your people, right, Lee? Definitely. Um, I know that Steven's done a bunch of speaking engagements around how to make better meetings. And he usually does ask how many folks in the room have 
meetings as part of their engagement survey. And I mean, he's spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of people. And I think he's gotten like one or two people <laughs> to raise their hands, which is just wild for how much time we spend in meetings. I know we talked about this at the top of the show, but I mean, regular managers are spending six to 10 hours a week in meetings. And that time is not assessed by our engagement survey when a lot of other a lot of other stuff is. So yeah. I think that yeah. that's definitely something that could be easy. Add three questions right. and start to get start to get some. Well, we definitely have some questions on the Indigo Anchor organizational profile. When we when we do surveys with organizations, we ask about meetings. It's because it is so important as we've been talking about. Awesome. So, um, you know, Chris, you had mentioned a couple other things you want to be thinking about in terms of making sure you have some security in place. Uh, if you, you know, in terms of um, making sure that your, your IT uh house is in order with regard to virtual meetings. Anything you wanted to add on that? No, just policy. Check with yeah. legal. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you're, every org's going to be different, but you want to make sure you get that and have that clearly communicated, trained, and followed up on with your with your key staff that would have that remit, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, today in the, the podcast, we focused on these online meetings. So, you know, the the ubiquitous nature of them. And it seems like they're part of our everyday life. We talked about this proliferation of online meetings due to COVID. And, uh, you know, we're probably going to have them for quite a while here. Uh, we talked about some pitfalls and opportunities associated with online meetings and some implications that I hope are really helpful for people and for organizations. Um, but, you know, I, I really, really want to Thank Lee Williams for joining us today. Hey, She's an expert Lee. in this field. She's awesome. So um, thank you so much, Lee. Um, and Lee, I'll let you have the last word. Any last words for everyone with regard to meetings or anything that you care to share? Gosh, such pressure after <laughs> I was talking about how to end meetings well. Goodness. You can end well, it poorly. I give you permission. Well, yeah. Lee, Lee think, <laughs> think about that for a moment. But just because this is such a critical thing, um, it was actually my wife was Googling. It's like, you know, I'm having a hard time finding real evidence-based resources on meetings. So if this is something that you or your organization needs help with, or if you have questions that were not addressed in this episode, we have experts like Lee, Ben, you know, Stephen Rogelberg's on our academic advisory board. This is something that, you know, we have literally world-leading expertise in that can help. And the, and the key point is evidence-based. There's so much stuff out there that's just, you know, one of the shibboleths is we'll have an agenda. Well, if that agenda isn't alive, vibrant, and meets certain criteria, having agenda is just a check the box, and it's not going to do that. So if you need training, those kinds of items, that's something that we can either help you with or put you in contact with the resources that can. So, Lee, there you go. I gave you, I bought you a few seconds. What? You teed me up. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? It. I think the important thing um, is that, you don't have to do a lot to make a big difference in how you run your meetings. I think that meetings are done so poorly. It's part of the reason that Stephen and I love researching meetings because there's such a huge, a huge amount of room for improvement. So I know we've thrown a lot of information at our listeners uh, this, you know, this last hour, but take one, two, three things max that you want to try and institute in your meetings that are evidence-based to Chris's point. Um, and go for it. I think that, you know, just trying a few things, you'll see a big return on your investment. So that's what I want folks to take away is committing to trying one or two things over the next 
30 days or so and see how it goes. Thanks, Dr. Williams. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.